Hello and welcome to this special edition of the Chamber podcast, where we'll be talking about the biggest sporting event Birmingham and the West Midlands has ever seen, the 2022 Commonwealth Games. In just a year's time, our region will play host to 11 days of exhilarating sporting action, featuring more medal events for women than men for the first time in the game's history, as well as a jam-packed para-sport programme. The Games are set to attract more than 1 million spectators, an estimated global audience of 1.5 billion, and recruit more than 10,000 volunteers. I'm Henrietta Brody, Chief Executive of the Greater Birmingham Chambers of Commerce, and in this episode of the Chamber Podcast, we're marking one year to go by chatting to those involved with the Games and taking a deeper look at how this major sporting extravaganza is set to boost Greater Birmingham. We'll be joined by business leaders, Games experts, and a pair of sporting stars, including... Ian Reid, Chief Executive... Birmingham 2022 Organising Committee. I'm Cathy Gilbert, I'm the Director of External Relations and the University Lead for the Commonwealth Games at the University of Birmingham. So I'm Elaine Lemond, I'm Deputy Dean for Strategy, Recruitment and Innovation at University College Birmingham. Hi, I'm Claire Francis, I'm partner at Pinson Masons and also sit on the board and I'm a non-executive director on Volleyball England's board as well. Yeah, my name's Colin Hartley, um, I am based in Glasgow, um, working for a company called European Championships Management, but in my past I was very proud to be the head of festival operations for the Glasgow 2014 Commonwealth Games. It's funny, I think that uh, like for a lot of people, the Games for me has felt like a distant glimmer on the horizon. Now suddenly we're here, one year to go, construction on the Alexander Stadium, the Aquatic Centre in Samwell are well underway, Volunteers are being recruited in their thousands and millions of pounds worth of contracts have already been awarded with more to come in the near future. Work to get the Games to Birmingham has been in the works since 2017 when the Commonwealth Games Federation selected Birmingham as host city partner of the 2022 Games. Now one person who's been heavily involved with the Games is Ian Reid, Chief Executive Officer at the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games Organising Committee. He was initially appointed as an interim chief in 2018, having previously worked on the Glasgow 2014 Commonwealth Games. Here's Ian to tell us more about how he got involved with the Games. I was working away in a, a normal job, as I call it. I was actually working for a soft drinks company. And um, I actually just got a phone call one day from, from the UK government saying, look, um, decisions now being made that Games are going to, to Birmingham. We have to hit the kind of kind of hit the ground running so to speak because of the the timelines we're looking for someone to come down and and lead the team on an interim basis just to make sure that we get the the company started up quickly and all the processes and systems and everything in place um would you be interested in that and my initial reaction was simply no because i was in a full-time job this was a six-month opportunity etc um and, and and was living in scotland at the time but, but these events, having worked them before, you, you know, you kind of you think about it more and you realise how exciting an opportunity it is, how it could be an incredible event in, in, in the city of Birmingham in the West Midlands um, and slowly got myself more interested. So a couple of days later, I went back and, um, and did express an interest and long story short, they offered me that role and I started, I think, around April 2018 um, on an interim contract initially and then ultimately applied to to do the CEO role full-time later that year. So we're a year away from this monumental sporting event. What is there left to do? 
Works are progressing well on the £72 million revamp of the Alexander Stadium, as well as the £73 million development of the Samwell Aquatic Centre, which is making waves across the West Midlands, if you'll pardon the pun. Here's Ian to explain more on how the city is preparing. Whilst the organising committee that I lead doesn't um, doesn't lead on the, the, the capital side, um, there are two major games capital projects, one being the new stadium, uh, sorry, the new stand at Alexander Stadium, and the second being the new aquatic centre in Sandwell, both of which are progressing extremely well. I've had site visits recently to both of them, and they're looking fabulous. But there's still a lot of work to do on those, and um, those capital projects will run through to aimed completion in the spring of, of next year. So they're obviously a big focus for everybody. A lot of operational planning still underway. So, um, you know, there's still a lot to do in the kind of transport planning and final athlete and, and spectator routes um, and the bus companies coming on board and working with us to make sure that we, we work that through. Um, same, one of the challenges of COVID has been we've not been able to visit a lot of our venues through the last year or so. So the teams are back out there making sure they understand how those venues are going to operate, where all the security cordons will be, where catering will be located, um, the various seating and ticketing bowls. We're obviously ticketing um, tickets go on sale in a couple of months' time. That's a big programme for us. Um, you'll have seen recently that volunteering applications opened over the last couple of weeks, and that journey will continue through a shortlisting and then a massive interview process and then the training of the volunteers and continue to bring suppliers on. So there's still a, there's still a huge amount of work um, still underway. But of course, on that last year's journey, there's some incredibly exciting milestones as well. I mentioned ticketing. The other big milestone, the Queen's Baton Relay, it leaves from Buckingham Palace in October. So, you know, that's an incredibly exciting um, uh, milestone for us in terms of it, it starts that journey right across the Commonwealth before finishing in the West Midlands. Um, we'll have our one-year-to-go celebrations in a couple of months, and that really does focus the mind when you're into when you're into that last year. Um, and the team will continue to grow. Um, and uh, as I say, there's still a lot of work to do, but we've got some great people involved in the event, and I'm absolutely confident that they will get there and, and, and deliver in, in, in time. The Games has received a huge amount of business backing and support, including from one of the city's most iconic institutions and host of the Hockey and Squash at the Games, the University of Birmingham. They've joined the Games as a Tier 1 sponsor, and as Cathy Gilbert explains, they see the Games as an extremely exciting opportunity not just to showcase their gorgeous campus, but for the city too. Here's Cathy to explain more. Um, it was announced, I think, quite early on that the university was going to be the venue for hockey and squash. And that feel, felt like a really good match for us. We'd got a number of our alumni and existing students who were in the England hockey team. Uh, we've got very strong squash. So that felt really logical for us. Um, and um, whilst we were involved talking generally about what the Commonwealth Games would do, do for the city and how exciting it was, um, it wasn't until it became clear probably, I guess, about 18 months ago, that there were some challenges with Peric Bar being the athlete's village and that the organising committee were looking to do something a little bit different as a consequence of that. We were approached to be uh, the premier athlete's village and to hold um, 3,000 athletes there. Um, 
that felt very different to being just a venue um, for hockey and squash, although we were excited about that at the time um, and started to really kind of think, well, that's that's a big involvement for our campus. Um, it will be really exciting for our students and staff to have athletes as well as um, competition taking place. And within that, the discussions then then led to, well, that would be great if we could also be a tier one sponsor um, so that we could really promote the games, both through our global network, but also very much as a university with our roots in the city. Um, so those three elements came together about a year ago now um, as, as kind of our, our contribution to the Games. Uh, what we didn't realise at the time, and we do now and are really excited, is, is that it's the biggest ever university involvement in any Commonwealth Games. Um, so, so we really do feel as if we are very much embedded um, with the Commonwealth Games. We work really closely with the organising committee and have built a really strong relationship with them, uh, very kind of solutions focused. Um, but it does feel as if um, a lot of the Games is going to be at the heart of the university, which is really exciting. I think it wasn't by accident um, that, that we then kind of looked to kind of have those three elements together. There's a great strategic fit for us. We are a civic university with our roots very much in Birmingham, but obviously um, a top 100 globally as well. And so we continually balance our regional and our global for the benefit of the city. Um, and then when we heard that it was a very inclusive games and there was also a focus on sustainability, things that are also really close to the University of Birmingham, um, it felt a great match for us. So uh, as well as wanting to support the games and make sure it was a huge success, how those things are taken forward in legacy really struck a chord for us when we were talking as I say, about 18 months ago to the organising committee about what, what, what our role could be in the Commonwealth Games. So what can the university expect at Games time? 20,000 visitors a day to the hockey and squash, as Cathy will explain further. So we're expecting the university campus to be vibrant and alive. Um, actually, um, about... Nearly 50% of our graduates stay within the region um, and over a quarter of our students come within the region. So they will still be around in the Birmingham area during the Commonwealth Games. We don't have a mass exodus of students. Um, and obviously the campus is, is alive and working all the way through the summer. Um, so we expect it to be a real kind of hub of activity. Um, we've been told to expect about 20,000 visitors to um, the different hockey and squash events every day. Uh, so logistically, that will be really interesting, but it'd be great to have that many visitors to showcase our really beautiful campus. Um, and we will have 3,000 uh, athletes that we need to feed and uh, operate the transport hub and get them where they need to be on time and in their top performing. So there's no hassle for them. But in addition to that, the campus will be open. The campus is always open to the public. And we've got great cultural assets um, and we are anticipating high visitor numbers for that. So we've got the, the Lapworth with its um, dinosaur in. We've got the Barber, um, our, our kind of art museum. We've got the Winterbourne House and Gardens. So a number of um, activities that people can do um, around the games when they, they come on to, to watch the squash and hockey. Um, so we're expecting it to be uh, really exciting um, well-managed, um, but lots to do um, to really make a day of it um, on campus. We've got lots of green space so people can 
spring picnics um, and spend time there, um, as well as going off to see um, other, uh, you know, other venues in, in other places. So I think that bringing people together into the city will be really important. But I think also the, the, the legacy for us is really important, that, that as a global university, being part of a really vibrant, dynamic, successful city um, is important to us. The growth in inward investment this should bring um, and our ability to deliver to that skills and jobs agenda to help support that is really important, as well as having the leading academics who are bringing thought leadership world world leading research and we've seen that through our covid research recently um, make it really important um, for us to be part of the commonwealth games it is for many people in the region a once in a lifetime um, and i think something really proud to be involved in and contribute not just for an, an individual's own personal agenda but in terms of what we're doing to make the city showcase the city at its very best Another venue in the midst of preparations is University College Birmingham, who will be hosting Team Scotland at Games Time. UCB has undergone a £100 million refurbishment in the last few years, including the incredible Moss House, which features top-of-the-range sporting tech that athletes will be using at Games Time. Here's Elaine from UCB to explain more on what they are doing to prepare. So we've, I mean, we've got a lot of plans going on anyway as part of an ongoing um, sort of uh, renovation of buildings and things like that. So obviously these, this new building's open. We've got McIntyre House, which only opened a few years ago. Summer Row, which is our main site, that's getting quite a lot of renovations over the, the next 12 months anyway. Um, but we're obviously keen that it's all done by the Games and it's ready for Team Scotland and, and it'll benefit them and, and their um, fans and friends and family coming through. Um, aside from that, it's it's more um, it's probably more around things like logistics and staffing and things like that. We're going to have a huge drive to get volunteers from the the student body. We're probably going to have to go wider than our students, but we'll we'll obviously give them first first opportunity. Um, in in a, a whole host of areas, I mean, it's not it's not limited to sport at all. To be honest, it's it's all areas. There's scope for our hospitality, our, our chefs, our um, even people like our specialist hair media makeup with the culture events and things like that. There's there's loads of opportunity. Our business students, there's loads around the media and the marketing side of things. It's more around mobilising them um, than than anything else. Really structurally, we've invested over a hundred million in the buildings anyway. So actually, it's quite a good time for us because they're all they're all looking very shiny and nice. <laughs> um, we've got a lot of work going on at the Maltings as well, which is our um, accommodation. And obviously every year that gets spruced up anyway, so that'll it'll just happen a little bit earlier next year. But we'll be hosting um, the Team Scotland youth programme, so they have their young elite athletes come and shadow the um, the senior athletes, if you like, and, and the games and get the feel for it. So obviously with a view to them in the future games, being able to, to get into it and, and it's not such a big culture shock to them. So they come down as well and get that experience and we'll be hosting them up at the Maltings. As, as I said, it's they haven't used the university site before. We haven't hosted a, a country um, <laughs> of sport teams. So it's it's still working out how that will work best for everyone. COVID's obviously delayed things a little bit. Um, but essentially, the, our main site, our Summer Rose site, will be their Scotland house. 
and that's where their friends, family, etc., will be able to go. A lot of the events that they'll run over that period with Visit Scotland and the government and that kind of thing will happen there as well. Um, there'll be various offices around the buildings that, that different groups will be able to use or sports will be able to use. Um, and then we've also got the sports facilities up here that teams will be able to use and, and the clinical facilities, which their physios and things like that and sports massage will be able to use just to kind of get them get them ready or, or post post competition. Um, so yeah, so it's it's over a number of the sites and and that's aside from the other Commonwealth Games stuff that we're doing around volunteers and, and the officials and that sort of stuff. So it's I think every building is going to be in use. So obviously Commonwealth Games is the kind of second biggest multi-sport event after mm-hmm. after the Olympics. So we'll have everything from runners to powerlifters to rugby sevens to swimmers, you know, you name it. I think that's part of the fun of it, really, seeing all these people walking around and working out what sport they do. Um, so it will be a whole a whole host of, of different sports. And, and for our, for our sports students, say, that, that will get to shadow and, and hopefully do some other things around clinical and, and the the strength and conditioning space for them to be able to see so many different athletes from so many different sports at that level you just you can't repeat that kind of experience or opportunity so it's it's a huge opportunity for them and and even for the staff you know a lot of them have come from elite sport but they're specialist in their area so to be able to see so many different sports people together is quite quite unique really now, practice and preparation is one thing that our next guests know all about. Javier and Joaquin Bello are a pair of volleyball pay- playing twins who will be taking part in the Games. They are the highest placed English team in beach volleyball's world rankings and are hoping to go for gold at the Sand Court in Smithfield, not your typical venue for beach volleyball. Javier and Joaquin explain more on bringing beach volleyball to Birmingham. Up until now, the games have kind of felt a little bit distant. Um, but now with one year to go, it kind of feels like they're right coming up, coming up right on us. And yeah, we're just waiting for confirmation on what the selection criteria or method will be, um, whether it's a tournament, whether it's a ranking-based selection or a combination of both. Or a combination of both. Yeah, we'll be ready and we'll give our best to be there uh, next year. For us, the, the plan right now is we are getting ready for the funding tournament, which is happening in a couple of weeks time. Um, that's just um, where we, we are playing against the other British teams for funding that has been allocated for the Commonwealth Games. Um, and then after that, we're just trying to uh, play the World Tour as much as we can and get a lots of international experience. So we are ready for the Commonwealth Games to hopefully win a medal for the first time. Yeah, no, uh, the Commonwealth Games are definitely special. Um, it's something that has only happened once so far. Beach volleyball has only been included in the games once. So it's important to, to give a good performance, to showcase our sport at this level uh, in the multi-sport games. And yeah, it's always a really special experience to, to compete in such a big event. Yeah, and in beach volleyball, the multi-sport events are the most important ones. Um, so the, that being the Olympics and then for us Commonwealth countries, the Commonwealth Games is just extremely important for us. Yeah, we haven't had a lot of opportunities to play beach volleyball in our in our home country, and I think it's a yeah, it's a great opportunity to showcase our sport, to have people watching, to have people be inspired to play, and to have some kind of legacy after where people uh, are going to be taking up the sport. And yeah, that's one of our big goals as well, not just to compete, but to give a good image of our sport, uh, and that will help us in the future, longer term. Yeah, since London, twenty twelve, beach volleyball hasn't had much exposure, much media attention. 
Um, so it's a really good opportunity for beach volleyball to be seen again in the UK and for it to grow. Um, well, we haven't we haven't been to Birmingham many times, but uh, there is, there are some volleyball clubs around the area, just not not uh, beach volleyball courts. So I think this will also be uh, a chance to to build some courts in the area after the games. Um, from London 2012, I know they used the sand and some of the equipment to to build some facilities around London, and actually we train in one of those still now. Um, so I think it could have a similar effect in Birmingham and kind of help to spread the, the sport around England a little bit more. So at the moment, there's most of the players live in London or South. Yep. Uh, and I think Birmingham could be a new kind of hub for beach players. And, and they have a lot of junior players in that area as well that could start taking up the sport, which would be excellent. One person who's got her eye on the legacy of beach volleyball is Claire Francis from law firm Pinsett Masons, who's also a senior independent director for Volleyball England. The lack of sand and sea in Birmingham in the West Midlands isn't dulling Claire's optimism that beach volleyball being played in the city should bring a renewed interest in the sport locally and internationally. It's really exciting to have a home home games. Um, obviously, London 2012 peaked some of that excitement, but that's nearly 10 years ago now. So to have another one on home soil is super exciting for the athletes and the, the vibe and the energy within them to uh, really make a difference and compete really well and hopefully see some of them on that podium is uh, is really there and, and keeping us all motivated and going as well. As someone that works in the city centre myself, um, to see beach volleyball in the heart of the city it's a really vibrant and fun sport. Um, anyone that's thinking about going and getting tickets to the Commonwealth Games, I'd highly recommend beach volleyball. Um, it's a real party atmosphere. And to see that in the sort of urban Smithfield area where we're, we're probably most landlocked from a beach of anywhere else in the country is, is super exciting. Um, as, as a business in the city, we're really excited to see the Commonwealth Games come to town. Um, I think it poses some really good opportunities for business to get involved and, and engage with the community and with the different sports that are on offer. So, yeah, we've got a lack of sand and sea um, generally, but we also have um, a lack of beach courts available within the city. So at the moment, the city doesn't have any beach volleyball courts for um, players in and around the city to train. So that's definitely an area we're really looking at as part of our um, venue legacy. The Smithfield venue that will be used for the games itself is a temporary venue, so it, it won't be there permanently. We do have the opportunity to use that sand somewhere else within the region in order to build some beach cores. And we're really hoping to be able to, to do that so that it does leave that legacy for players locally and, and those who are inspired by the games to get involved in a longer term basis with the sport without having to travel all the way to the coast. For business, the, legacies, the legacy is exciting. Um, it's an opportunity for businesses to see and hear about sports they may not be as familiar with um, and to get involved with those sports and to help them on their journey. You know, there'll be lots of sports that are looking to use the Commonwealth Games as a, as a stepping stone or a platform to really accelerate forward from. And for businesses that are keen and want to be on part of that journey, then I'd encourage you to get in touch with those sports because um, they'll be super pleased to see your help and to see that support. I think for us as a city, that's that's even more exciting. We have um, so many, such a diverse range of businesses within, within our um, city boundary uh, that is an opportunity for absolutely everyone to get involved there. And whether that is um, encouraging your employees to take part in sport or thinking about whether you might want to partner with some of those sports to help with that legacy, then that's an opportunity not to be missed. Now, the sporting legacy of the Games is not the only pressing issue. 
The economic and environmental legacy of the Games is just as critical for our business community, especially following hot on the heels of the coronavirus pandemic. Commonwealth Games are reported to make good returns for host cities, and Birmingham could be set for the same £1 billion plus opportunity, according to Ian. There's been a lot of research done on previous Commonwealth Games, so um, there's a significant number of legacy reports from those. And actually, the Commonwealth Games Federation asked, I think it was PwC, to consolidate a lot of that. So anyone that does have an interest in the potential benefits from the Games, I think there is a publicly available report that sets all that out. But just to give listeners a sense, um, I think over the last three or four iterations of the event, you know, the economic benefit to the region of that has been in the region of between £800 million and £1.2 billion pounds from each of those events. Now, if you think about the local investment, so the Games is funded um, from three sources primarily, um, that being the local government through Birmingham City Council and Partners, secondly through national government through DCMS, and then thirdly through the private sector through our ticketing, sponsorship, merchandising, broadcast programme. Um so the vast majority of that benefit will go to the West Midlands economy and the, the investment from the West Midlands economy is that public sector investment um, through the council. And if you if you take the likely economic benefit based on previous games, you know, the return on investment from that local investment could be five or six times. Um, therefore, compared to most projects, I think the city council would put its money behind this, this should pay off um, multiple times over in, in, in terms of local taxpayers' money uh, and local business and employment benefits. So I think the the, the, the business case absolutely stacks up um, and, and we should be seeing and aiming for well in excess of um, that £1 billion of, of, of economic benefit to the, to the West Midlands here as well. And we've spent a huge amount of time and investment in working through um, the carbon footprint, likely carbon footprint of the Games, all the actions we could take to minimise that impact. Um, but inevitably, there will be residual carbon coming from the event, and we entered into an incredible partnership with Severn Trent around offsetting that in a, in a really um, credible and local way. So we're working with them around these Commonwealth forests. So there'll be a number of mini forests, but also 2,022 acres of forest um, as well, which leaves, a, which leaves a legacy in terms of the, the community. As well, so that's something that's incredibly special for us. We've got a much wider sustainability plan that covers plastics, that covers inclusivity, that covers biodiversity, and um, so we're really proud of that and our investment in, in in making sure this will be by far and away the greenest Commonwealth Games um, ever. So, so anyone that's got an interest in that topic, definitely worth going on and having a look at the website as well around our sustainability pledge and the commitments that sit underneath that. We're very much looking to, to, to put in place a public transport games with clean vehicles, with cars that do support the games being primarily hybrid or electric. And but actually encouraging people to cycle, to walk, you know, part of the investment in the games. And I was talking to the Canal and River Trust the other day about how they're cleaning up all the canal routes from the city centre out to all the games venues. So, you know, if 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 the games um, can do that well and people have an incredible experience in two weeks getting round the city um, in a different way than perhaps traditionally they would, where they might have just jumped in their car. Our hope is that working with the partners here, we can develop that and lead, it, lead to, to longer-term behavioural change, um, both with individuals and, and with businesses. So that's our aspiration. Um, so our job really is to make sure that that works as well as it possibly can and people um, you know, really see the benefits of, of going down that kind of green travel and carbon-neutral approach. 
now. Are we seeing any of those financial benefits? Well, yes, we are. Here's Ian to explain more about procurement opportunities and how firms can get involved. We've been procuring on the games for probably two and a half to three years now. So the procurement programme um, is, is well underway. I think probably by value, maybe about two thirds of those contracts have already been let, but still a third to go. And, and that's a significant amount of money. That's still well in excess of £100 million and, um, and will be you know, across a huge number of contracts that can be accessible by all sizes of business. So programme so far has run, has run well. Um, for those listeners who aren't aware, the best way to get involved or to show interest is to register your business on the Commonwealth Games Business Portal, which can be found on birmingham2022.com forward slash business portal. And you only need to register your business there once and it will proactively send you notifications of opportunities that will come up in your sector. So um, so that's the, the, the most important thing. Um, but we have got a good track record. There's a lot of local businesses involved. There's a lot of local businesses have made commitments to social value. So numbers of apprentices and training programmes, etc., are increasing significantly as well as time goes on. And we've also got some uh, some of those businesses engaging as sponsors um, as well. So that's all positive. And those are the direct business benefits of the Games. But of course, the Games will bring a significant amount of indirect business benefit as well. So, you know, we talk about 1.7 million tickets, another million people engaging in the cultural programme you know, and all the support requirements that go around that. So the city will be busier than it has ever been. So whether it's those working in service industries um, or, or other hospitality type arenas, you know, this, this next summer should be a huge boom. So making sure businesses are ready for that, um, got the staff in place, have got any facilities indoor or outdoor to make sure they maximise the footfall. All, all of that stuff's really important um, as well to take the most advantage of the opportunity. Now, of course, there is a city that's been there, done that and got the T-shirt, Glasgow. They hosted their games in 2014. And as described by Colin, it was a magical experience. Here's Colin Hartley, Director of European Championships Management, on the Glasgow experience of Games Time. Well, my role on the Commonwealth Games was a, was a really, for me as an event professional, especially as a, a Glaswegian, was fantastic. I went from the, the bid phase all the way through the, the flag handover in, in Delhi. And then when it came to the games time element, I was the head of festival operations. So we had three live sites. We had the Queen's Baton Relay, the Glasgow leg of that. You know, I would say the most important leg, the, the final four days. And a whole cultural programme across venues, um, not just in Glasgow, but across Scotland. Um, and obviously the games time festival mainly at live sites, but really across the city at sport venues was the end result of all of that experience in 2014. Um, a real once-in-a-lifetime for me professionally and personally. It's one of those things that, you know, you, you have an idea in your head about what a Games could be like in your city. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to go to previous Games. I was seconded to Melbourne to, to work on their Games in 2006 and then I was a part of the, the Delhi 2010 games as I mentioned in, in our handover ceremony between um, Delhi and Glasgow. So you build an idea in your head of what a games could be like but I, I can absolutely say without any doubt that, that the end, what we achieved in Glasgow, what we experienced, what we saw was way, way beyond the expectations of any of us. Um, 
it really was a whole new level of excitement, of activation, of noise, um, and it, it really it will probably never be repeated. If I'm being really honest, in, in Glasgow, unless a game a games comes back, it's a really magical, magical experience that. As I said, everyone that, that was fortunate enough to be in Glasgow um, looks back on and, and still talks about it now, um, albeit it's now nearly you know, eight years ago, um, hard to believe. But yeah, it was a fantastic experience. The build-up was amazing, but yeah, what actually happened on the ground every day of, of the games was just phenomenal. Our, we, Glasgow had a very clear um, rationale for hosting the games. You know, It was about us presenting ourselves to the world in a very different way than, than a lot of people see Glasgow. Um, we are still in the, the process of a regeneration project, but certainly the Commonwealth Games for us allowed us to unveil, you know, some absolutely astonishing venues um, that hosted the sport. As I said, our live sites, we had three live sites across the city. Uh, we had a, a live site in Glasgow Green, our main park in the city centre, which was transformed into a festival never seen before. Um, we had a, a an urban street festival called Merchant City Festival, which was our second live site, which ran for the full games time. And then we also had a, a, a new um, renovated bandstand in the west end of the city, which again was renovated in time for the, the games. And, you know, those festivals, those events still to this day, you know, the images of, of Glasgow that went around, not just the Commonwealth, but around the world, um, you just can't underestimate the importance that they've played in presenting a, a Glasgow that maybe some people didn't realise existed. And, and I still see images of the Commonwealth Games um, and, and with great pride look back on that and know that that is now the image that has been projected about Glasgow. And again, not, not just across um, the world, but also in, on our own soil here in the UK. You know, I think a lot of people that came to, to Glasgow from around the UK hadn't been for a long time and, and you know, really were, I think, taken aback by the, by the progress and the developments that have taken place in the city and and hopefully that will lead to you know many return visits and of course um, additional investment in the city from a, from a business perspective so yeah it really was a chance to rebrand and really get ourselves in the short window on a global sense. His advice for Birmingham? Don't underestimate how busy the city will be during the games. Yeah I mean I think the it's it's really just a case of I suppose making sure you carve out some time just now to, to really think about, you know, the area that, that, that your particular business could benefit from. You know, there's obviously Birmingham's a, a, a vibrant and massive city, so there's so many businesses there. Um, but I think those that stop and think about how the opportunity could benefit them have got the better chance of, of obviously, you know, reaping those rewards. And I think you know whether it's a, a b2b business or whether it's a, a customer facing business i think there is there is still plenty of time to think about the ways in which the business can benefit from the games being hosted and as i said if it's just the, the games time window which is still a fantastic you know two or three weeks by the time everyone arrives and, and leaves again that's a great opportunity in itself but there's many more um opportunities in the run-up you know there's a fantastic um, number of tenders uh, and and work to be won in the build up and as I said the the volume of spend in, in the region and, and the Birmingham and, and Midlands region will be huge compared to a normal year so you know the more of that money that stays local the, the better for local businesses so I think it's really just my advice would be to to somehow 
albeit we're still in a pandemic and struggling our way out of that, you know, to, to carve out time and, and try and sort of have a little bit of a think forward to, to the next 12 months and, and identify just what your business does and how it could benefit from the games. And and if that's if that's not coming easy, I th- I'm, I'm sure, you know, the, the, the organising committee, they want to hear from businesses. So, you know, I'm sure that's where the chamber comes in as well in terms of maybe supporting businesses and how, if they're struggling to understand just how they could benefit from these games, you know, to, to get in touch, to, to talk to, to some of the organisations that are involved and just, you know, I think make sure every, you know, leave no stone unturned in terms of the opportunities that will be there. It is a once once in a generation, once in a, once in a lifetime event. It's, you know, it's easy, easy for me to say, but, you know, just make sure if it is, if it is a service sector business, you know, don't underestimate how busy Birmingham's going to be during the games. You know, international visitors, media, of course, locals and people from the, the region coming into the city centre or going to venues around the region, you know, just don't underestimate the demand. It was an astonishing kind of reality of our games, the, the sheer numbers that came through to the city. Um, and, you know, it's it's, it's difficult to, to give that advice when you're not the one that's ordering the supplies and the... <laughs> The services, but just you know, if you're if you're able to scale up for the games time window, um, you should definitely do that. It's a it's, it's you know the the client group numbers even from the games family alone. You know the, the guests, athletes, the friends and family, the media, the broadcasters. It's that's tens of thousands alone. Never mind the spectators. So that was one thing, and another thing was just that if businesses are struggling to to see the opportunity and and just can't quite you know, um, pinpoint that, you know, there are, there's other softer ways of, of being able to benefit from the games. And one example is volunteering. We know there's a big push just now for volunteering that's now open, but, you know, enabling staff to apply to be volunteers and giving them the flexibility to to take part in the games in that way and, and you know, be a part of the games in a slightly different way than just, you know, purely from a business sense, because that will also bring benefits to to the organisation when, when people get the chance to experience the games for themselves and be part of it. And so there's, there's lots of kind of quite, you know, innovative or, 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 as I said, softer ways of businesses being games ready, if you like, um, not just the kind of hard sales side of things. We're set for a once in a lifetime sporting extravaganza, which will undoubtedly bring a lot of joy and pride to Greater Birmingham and the West Midlands. That's something to be proud of and excited about. So let's make the most of it. Wait, one more question for our guests. What sport are they most looking forward to watching at games time? Rugby sevens. Yeah, I think if I can see the rugby sevens. I, w- I, went, to, I went to the Glasgow games and I saw the sevens there. Um, and I also saw netball, which I was completely blown away by because it's just so much faster than, than what you see at school, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, I think all of them. I'd love to see gymnastics. I've never got a chance to, to see that at the Olympics or the games or anything. So something like that. But yeah, I think if I don't get to rugby sevens, I'm, I'm going to be a very unhappy bunny. Oh, it's got to be the hockey. Um I am a bit biased, but we're we we have great hockey at the university. We're going to have um, really world-leading pitches. It's fast. It will be well fought um, and extremely exciting. It's a great spectator sport. Um, so um, the hockey for me. For me personally, it's got to be the netball. Um, played netball when I was at school. I love watching the Super League, and I love watching some of our roses down in Australia as well. 
Um, so to see them on a home ground will, will be a really great achievement and, and I'm really looking forward to that. Just for listeners' information, there are nineteen. There are nineteen sports. So, and I and I'm a sport fanatic, right? So I'll watch all of them. I think ones that I will in, I'll, I'll enjoy them all. Ones that I think are worth highlighting. Women's cricket is on the program for the first time ever. Hugely growing sport, um, incredibly exciting. We'll have a massive fan base in the region, an iconic venue in Edgbaston. So that one I think will be special. Rugby sevens is always special. I've got a little bit of sympathy for Lawn Bowls because I try my best to play that now and again, and and it's very much it's, you know, the, the iconic event of Lawn Bowls as a Commonwealth Games. But you know the list goes on. The iconic sports will be brilliant as well. The aquatics, the athletics, all the cycling. And um, look, I, I would say to everybody, go on the website, have a look at the event, um, the day by day event schedule, which is now published, and and you'll find some incredible events that that everyone's really interested in. you for listening to the chamber podcast remember to hit subscribe on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you got your podcast from check out the chamber website www.greaterbirminghamchambers.com and follow us on twitter at grbhamchambers chambers